0: Five, four, three, two, one. Janet Jackson. <laughs> yes. Yeah. to another episode of music and we i am jamila and i'm jesse and jesse's back as you can hear <laughs> hopefully the solo episode was okay you know it wasn't it didn't have jesse so of course it wasn't great but
1: oh it was still wonderful
0: <laughs> thank you <laughs> so this show is going to be dedicated to kwame and Kruma. Yesterday was his born day, September 21st, 1909. He came onto this earth. And if you do not know Kwame Nkrumah, please study him. He was the first prime minister of Ghana and eventually president of Ghana. He was one of the huge factors in the Pan-Africanist movement. He was a huge... Inspiration for me in terms of my analysis and my ideology as a Pan-African organizer. Please study. Please study Kwame Nkrumah. (laughs) Awesome. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I went to the climate strike yesterday and it was absolutely wonderful. One thing I heard was over 600,000 people nationally in the U.S., And 4 million globally. So that is a huge load of organizing that happened behind this. There's a
1: lot of people who showed up for that.
0: Absolutely. I felt so honored to take part in this experience. And having taken part in a lot of mobilizing efforts and as an organizer myself, having taken part in a lot of things like this, I was really amazed at how organized it was and how so many organizations were out there uh, with their clipboard saying, you know, if you're not part of an organization, join one. The people who were presenting at the rally, young people were organized. And there's this whole idea about young people, uh, they don't know anything. They're just sitting on their social media all day and they don't do anything. Young people are getting out there because they're concerned about the future politically economically whatever it is they feel passionate about they are organizing around and I saw that living proof of that yesterday so don't give me that young people are lazy and they don't care about anything that's not what I All saw right. with there are
1: eyes. young people out there making a noise and changing the system from the ground up it's not just the old cats doing it that's
0: right, <laughs> that is right. and this not only impacts uh, obviously people in the States, this was global. So I saw, I didn't see a lot of footage globally. I saw footage from London and I saw footage from Kenya. So th- this is not only a concern in the West, this is a concern in Africa where resources are being stolen by corporations every day and African people do not have common ownership of the means of production of resources. So this is crucial, not only to people in the States, or any part of the West, this is global. And this is what we saw. So I am so happy that these efforts are happening. Even on the official website, there were calls to organize around these issues, join an organization, and there are going to be more actions. The next major strike is going to happen on Buy Nothing Day, which I celebrate anyway annually. So I'm really happy about that. So, if you don't know, Buy Nothing Day is also called Black Friday. It is the day after Thanksgiving. So, it's uh, this year it is...
1: <laughs> I love I love that you just call it Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's such a normalized reality. You just said it like it was nothing. It's the day after Thanksgiving.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't make that one up. That Thanksgiving, for real.
1: brilliant.
0: <laughs> so- the next global climate strike is November 29th, aka thanks, the day after Thanksgiving, aka Black Friday. Black Friday, no one has nothing to do with anyone's ethnicity or race. Economically, when you're in the black, that means you are doing very well for these corporations in their perspective. When you are in the red, that means, oh, you're not doing so well. That's what Black Friday is because it's a day people queue up for hours and hours to buy slave labor TVs or whatever it is. The workers are being exploited at these companies, Walmart or whatever. And then the workers who make the products, be it prison labor, be it um, 20 cents an hour, whatever it is, there's exploitation on all levels. And these multinational corporations are the ones profiting. So it's a whole cycle of exploitation. Uh The climate strike, I think that day is a perfect day to do it, to bring awareness about how consumption, consumerism also contributes to the climate change that is in existence right now. It's, I, I, I just feel. So I'll
1: take advantage of that. Buy nothing day, I'll buy nothing on Thanksgiving of this coming couple of months, I guess it'll be here.
0: Oh, yeah. What is it? It's, uh, September, so Yeah, yeah. Months. Yeah. Yeah, so it looks like they'll probably keep up the strikes every couple months. I don't know what the forward plan is for that, but um, there's actually a global meeting tonight for people who are involved in the strike. There's a call-in, so there's going to be um, more um, plans during that call, so I, I just feel So happy to have taken part in this experience. It's my goodness. (laughs) That's my life. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of taking action. (laughs) This panel, right? The stupid panel. The stupid panel that was on Revolt TV. First of all, there's an issue with that. Revolt TV doing nothing about revolting against capitalism or anything, presented by AT&T and promoted by Sean Combs. I'm trying to figure out where the revolt is happening in that. Right.
1: Where is the revolt happening?
0: I don't see it. I'm just saying. I personally don't see it. If somebody listening sees it, let me know where it is. Because they had a big old sign that says revolt, (laughs) presented by AT&T. I, mm, 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 mm. And on this panel, <laughs> four people absolutely who had no type of analysis. Yes, you had a couple of organizers, but the people who were speaking the most on this panel were not organizers, yeah. <laughs> and that is the biggest problem. That's the if biggest problem. If you're gonna talk about organizing people for liberation, you need to have organizers speaking.
1: But we had Killer Mike, Candace Owens, Stephen forget per- of the Trap the Vote, Katrina Pearson, Tamika D. Mallory. Yeah. So, I mean, when you hear T.I. and Killer Mike going at it, are just agreeing with each other because essentially they're saying the same thing. I mean, Killer Mike, whew, where do we even begin? <laughs> he is the definition of talking loud and saying nothing, like a dull knife that just can't cut
0: just thinking
1: hey talking loud and saying nothing. I mean literally saying nothing. He has no foundation in whatever he was saying. He was going from this to that. Black people, if you free then act like it. And he's screaming this, okay? He's screaming this. He's like he's at a rally or something. Trying to tell negroes how to to organize.
0: This is TI's agenda to liberate my people teach them to love each other again, revitalize my community, not our community, my community, my community. create a self-sustaining financial sustainable ecosystem that will be present for generations to come. So that's his agenda. He says, and you can't do that without putting the proper people in office that have similar interests and a passionate need to fulfill these voids. First of all, in a system that is purposely meant to destabilize people economically in a society, in a country that is built off enslavement, you can't put a Band-Aid over that. You can't vote for people in a system that is purposely broken. You have to build a new system that benefits everyone.
1: And And to act like we can modify it or Photoshop it and remix it and join in with the team, It's just beneath the current.
0: You can't smack up, flip, and reverse a system that's broken. You just can't. And to say that's why we need the proper people in office, (laughs) the people, the individuals that are in these offices are working in a system that is purposely broken. It's like saying we need cops to fix the system that is purposely meant to oppress people. You have to get rid of the system.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it much seems obvious, but they believe they can modify and work with the system, which is why people like Killer Mike are loved by those of the liking of Bill Maher and, you know, all these other centrists that act as if they have a plan, but they don't have a plan. I mean, mm-hmm. Killer Mike's plan overall is to just buy black. I remember the first reminder of why he was so absurd is and I and I get that narrative of, oh, we need to support black businesses But his way of doing it and his approach just doesn't have any solid analysis. And there was a point when he was talking with Tamika about just the um, Waffle House incident. And he's just trying to find everything he can to justify why. Oh, well, we can't really. And I love Waffle House. And I can't. (laughs) It's like, okay you love Waffle House. Yeah, you're talking about all of these. Friends that are managers who may have Felon records so they actually have I mean he's he was just going Out on the deep end to not Really have any it's like wh- where's your Standing do you have any standing Right
0: like to make My she's the only one I can see clearly An organizer yes, yes you Had trapped the boat yes you had all Of that uh Candace Owens Is also in or- a Couple of organizations but they're not Organizers there's a difference between being an organization and being an organizer. To me, Mallory, she actually was let go of being on the board of the Women's March because of her association with Louis Farrakhan because he's anti-Zionist. So they were saying, well, he's being anti-Semitic. We've had this conversation on this podcast numerous times. If you are anti-Palestinian, you are anti-Semitic. There's different peoples who are Semitic peoples. You have different languages of which Arabic and Hebrew are two of them are Semitic languages. So how can you talk about being anti-Semitic and yet be pro-Zionist? It makes no sense. Farrakhan, he was talking about Zionism versus Judaism. One is a political ideology, which is rooted in white supremacy and land grabbing. The other one is a spiritual practice. And on some level connected with a bloodline, which is why folks from Ethiopia could go to Israel because they are part of that bloodline. But to say Uh you're being anti-Semitic when you're just talking about Jewish people of European descent, that makes no sense, which is what a, a lot of people usually refer to when they say Jewish. They're just talking about Europeans. I'm like, nope. When y'all say the Jews own Hollywood, I don't see no Ethiopians. I don't see no beta Israel at that right. decisions in Hollywood. So don't give me no Jews on Hollywood. Can you say Zionist, please? Because that's exactly what you're referring to. Anyway, <laughs> Tamiko, Ali, and other folks have been let go from that board. And it's actually one of the new board members is Palestinian. So it's very, very interesting. She's uh, she's based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, so uh, we'll see how that goes, <laughs> but again, knowing Tamika Maui's history, you know she is an organizer, and the way she spoke, at least some of the some of the time, you could tell she is out there in these streets organizing, and the Waffle horse part, which you mentioned, that was a perfect example, because she was saying the people's voice, that's always what's led our communities we need to have a bottom-up strategy that is exactly what she said so the waffle house example she's saying instead of depending on waffle house to give us jobs we need to destabilize that whole system and we depending uh, it doesn't matter where we come from despite our ideological differences if we're about liberation we're going to have a united front and destabilize this whole community and produce enough funds to bail people out to have businesses which are cooperatively owned like this is organization and she's referring to that killer mike gaslighted her it was just like no no what we 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 just got to deal with that one waffle house because right. Waffle House in general hires felons he had no idea what she's talking about because he's not an organizer she was thinking like an organizer in terms of strategy ti and killer mike are not organizers that was the main difference in their presentations. because all they did was gaslight and talk over people it was major patriarchy going into that it was
1: hilariously frustrating to watch because i couldn't even and i wasn't even watching i was listening to it but i just could not get over how they talked over each other they were not unified it was almost like you're trying, and then, of course, Killer Mike is the loudest one. You know, <laughs> like, you guys have to just... <laughs> like, he's the one just screaming at everyone, like, listen, shut the blink up! Shut up! Shut up! Everybody, shut up! Shut up! We need it! And this, like, why are you doing all this for? Like, you're not even saying anything. You're not even bringing anything to the table. All of us really have to understand that these issues are multi-layered and the moderator didn't do a good job. I mean...
0: <laughs> and even... Killer Mike responds to Tamika Malley. He says, it's a conundrum. So this is one of those circular arguments that get used because he's not understanding what she's talking about. So he's using 10-cent words. And he even says, we don't have to use 10-cent words earlier in the panel. But he's talking about how we need to do this and that. But he's not talking about organizing at all. Not once has he used a strategy of organization to galvanize people he's talking about we need to study this and i'm gonna get to that in a moment the fact that he was conundrum saying well we we shouldn't get rid of all the waffle houses and she said yeah well, what about this situation and that situation if we had a united front it doesn't matter whether or not we we agree or disagree with each other the united front would have so much power to change the scenarios we experience. But he wasn't trying to hear that because he's like, well, no, no, What about um, the, the the macro and the micro? He's thinking micro. She's thinking macro. <laughs> that's the that's the difference between their presentations or their approaches or their analysis. And same thing with TI. So uh, talking about uh teach them to love each other again. So he's more of a cultural nationalist going on borderline hotel. He's I don't know what he's studying, like Marimba. I, I don't know what he's studying right now. He went the hotel route. I'm like, wait, didn't you? I, uh, I don't know. He had to liberate my people, teach them to love each other again, revitalize my community, create a self-sustaining financial sustainable ecosystem that will be present for generations to come. He did not present any sort of plan for that. You have an agenda, but where's your 10 point program? Because he kept advocating for one but he never presented one from
1: what yeah because all he could say is well i've been rich all my life so i know it's like yeah but how did you get rich oh because you exploited a couple of your homies to sell dope <laughs> oh, okay
0: <laughs> and he, and he's saying you could do that uh, without putting the people there's just it's like wait a minute to me come talking about we have to galvanize the energy from the people and y'all going on, we gotta elect people. It's two different messages going on. Two different messages. And she's saying we gotta get out of the whole perspective of Democrat Republican because any movement that has been successful has been by the people. That's her message. And they just being like, nope, you gotta vote for Bernie Sanders and we gotta do this, and we gotta vote for Trump. It's like <laughs> you know, these people is ridiculous. This is and so she's the only one that more or less made sense on the panel. <laughs> but they could have had more organizers for sure. And if they wanted to have somebody relatively famous, they could have had somebody like Boots Riley, who has an anti-capitalist analysis, has an anti-imperialist analysis.
1: Yes. Boots, I, could, I could, But, you know, I'm sure when Puff Daddy P Diddy, Sean Combs decided who was going to be on this panel. I'm sure he was like, we can't have Boots Riley on the
0: panel. He probably didn't even, Boots Riley probably wasn't even a thing yeah, of his magic.
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, that's the thing, because Boots Riley represents the antithesis of what they're doing. I mean, they wanted someone, it made sense why the panel was the way it was. Yeah. I mean, and just hearing them just shout about semantics, just just going in the wrong direction because they're not really saying anything. Yeah, it just really got me thinking, like, wow, this is this is where we at, huh?
0: This is where we at? This is where we at And so here here's a few problematic things from killer Mite, And I want to hear your perspective on this. <laughs> so he says, Well, when the question was asked, what's the best way to engage a two-party system? So that's another way it went wrong. You don't engage a two two party system, you destabilize the whole thing. So that's the solution is to destabilize everything that stands for create a new system, which is fronted by the masses of the people. That is what you do. Killer Mike says, I'm a proud American. So he's already on that. He says, we didn't learn about slavery. He's talking about his experience in school. We didn't learn about slavery. We learned about Christmas addicts. So of course, how it's being framed is, Oh, you Negroes, you know, you fall on the front lines of this country. <laughs> we fall on the front lines of this country, so we deserve to have all the benefits of this country. Yeah. Africans, were not declared people T.I. So T.I. even went opposite of that later on. She's like, we, we don't even have a nationality. So you um yeah. and Killer Mike's like, I'm a proud American.
1: Right, exactly. You
0: yeah. yeah. So which one is it? Y'all got to make a decision, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> like, either y'all got a nationality or you don't killer mike obviously
1: killer like, mike is a proud american
0: he's a proud man. he's
1: like america if it, he made it seem as if because he learned about all of these historical figures oh that's what makes america great because we actually are taught about them. and and he has this national pride in atlanta i mean he really sees atlanta and then you know atlanta is a thriving place for many black people but the way he goes about it the way he approaches just nationalism and just the mobilization of oh we need to get together and buy from each other and yet he endorses people who are in the system that he actually is claiming we need to like he wants to he doesn't i don't know what he wants because he goes from saying this and then he says something else and then he's giving you names and it's like he's talking loud but he ain't saying nothing mm-hmm. It's like it was just a farce, the whole thing. And T.I. is like, oh, well, you know, Trump made me rich. So, I mean, I've been right. rich my whole life. So, you know, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? Why did you decide to join this panel and not have anything to say?
0: And how can you talk about it? Doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican. We are going to support the candidates that serve our interests as African-sized black people. When Bernie Sanders supports the extradition of Assad of Shakur, that is not in the best interest of African people. So what exactly is he talking about? Bernie Sanders also supported...
1: Bur- Bernie Sanders supported that? I didn't... That's, yeah. That
0: was, uh, Bernie huh. Sanders also supported the 1992 omnibus crime bill, which was authored by Joe Biden and signed by Bill Clinton. So who, who are you talking about? Who, what people have our best interest? Yeah. And part of that, part of that omnibus crime bill, and Bernie Sanders claimed to support it because it had assault weapons bans in it and it had some domestic violence stuff in it. But still, if there's no wholesale support of anything I support and it's got all those loopholes to get me to support it, I'm not supporting it. Bernie Sanders supported it And it reduced uh, literacy programs in prison. It increased uh, recidivism rates for African people in prison. So that's the end result of it. Bernie Sanders still supported that. And somebody like Killer Mike is saying, I support Bernie Sanders. What are you supporting about Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders is not a socialist. He is a, quote, democratic socialist, which is about a mixed economy. I support actual socialism, which is, we talked about this. Socialism is the mass ownership of the means of production. Bernie Sanders is not promoting this. Why would I support somebody like a Bernie Sanders who doesn't promote the mass ownership of the means of production? Well, Kill, Killer Mike, do you know what you're talking about? And maybe he supports it, it looks like he clearly is in support of aspects of capitalism, so maybe Bernie Sanders is up his alley. I don't know, but to have no anti-capitalist analysis on that panel, I'm not surprised, obviously. But to say it's a state of the culture, what culture are you talking about? You got to be clear about what culture you're talking about, and you got to be clear about what the objectives of that panel is, because it was all over the place. It, 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 nobody was principled on their analysis. The closest to a principled approach was Tamika Mallory, <laughs> but going <Right>. back,
1: the <laughs> closest, and she didn't, speak, and she spoke the less, the most right. person. I mean, Killer Mike spoke the most, Un- <laughs> like Candice and Killer Mike. I would say, and Ti, you know, eventually, but yeah, those two. And then there was that other uh, woman who worked with Trump.
0: I'm a black mother, and that's why. Right. I- <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I mean. <laughs> that was just like oh my god you you folks
0: but there was a question of what would negotiation look like you can't have negotiation when you have no systemic power and nobody on the panel mentioned that you can't have negotiation power as an individual and killer mike's being like well i did this and and we got like no you still have no systemic power and T.I. we don't want a seat at the table, we want the table. If you have no systemic political power, you're not even going to get the table. If the masses of African can't get together for their liberation or agree to what that is, you ain't going to even have the table. These people are all over the place. Then Canada's all I'm talking about. Donald Trump has supported white supremacy. Look at his Twitter account. I mean... <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was like you can go right now And this is getting so massively in- Misinterpreted yeah she was just A farce she
0: was a mess we should Look at his records and show that he Supports white supremacy you don't gotta look at His social media account We got his records His political records And we got the tape roll the tape You know you don't gotta look at twitter right. so It's just, these, these, just a Uh At least Candace Owens did she didn't name the source which she did say well here's the statistic or whatever which ti couldn't do and then of course ti and killer mike ended up being like well you're right candace owen and then killer mike told the dude in the audience to shut up because Farrakhan was telling y'all the same thing and just because you're on group of candace owens like yeah uh, Uh, i was
1: so like you know what stop it (laughs) all y'all just shut up
0: already they tried to put Tamika Mowry under the table, too. "Cause, cause me and Tamika, we, we, we support Farrakhan. I'm like, don't put her, don't throw her under the bus now. <laughs> don't throw her under the bus like that. So T.I. also says, Black America is moving forward because the panel was put on by a black man. I like, I, I am <laughs> so surprised that my eyes did not come out of my head as much as I rolled my eyes at this panel. No, so Black America is moving forward because of this unprincipled ass panel. Okay, one thank, thank you, Black America. (laughs) Are you serious?
1: So here's. It just literally has no reason for understanding.
0: So here's a couple other things. (laughs) So I'm gonna get to Ti first. A brother in the audience talked about nationality. Can we vote around nationality? Instead of voting around Democrat, Republican, what exactly are our interests? Are we Pan-Africanist? Are we African-American? Are we, you know, he named all all of these identities. And T.I., Mr. Hotep on the panel, (laughs) he's like, reparations, and I'm amazed nobody even questioned him on this. They just let him talk. He says, we can't get reparations because we have not been officially classified as a nationality. First of all, American is a nationality. What What are you talking? Is he talking about? What What is he talking about? Like being? I don't know what he's referring to. He said African American is not a nationality. So if you identify as American, that is your nationality. I identify as African, so I I have a, a vested interest in the liberation of African people. I do live in the U.S. I understand, as a Pan-African organizer, that the U.S. is a settler colonial nation. I do not have vested interest in protecting a settler colonial nation. As indigenous people of this country do not have a vested interest in protecting a settler colonial nation. That's why they continue to fight. (laughs) So you can say I'm American. That's the nationality. African-American. You're just saying you are a person of African descent and identifies as an American. That's But American, so your nationality. So what is he talking about? Is he saying, is there a unified nationality? Uh, you're not going to get that as long as you have uh, different ideologies or, or different analysis. So for me, I identify as African. I don't know how T.I. identifies Is I
1: don't know. Hotep. Don't know. You would probably say black or hotep. I but or, he, uh Negas. I mean maybe. <laughs> and that's what Killer Mike kept saying. Listen here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's just like it was it was true comedy but it was also a source of infuriating frustration.
0: Does he identify as a more Because if he's talking about not having a nationality, people in the more temple, they are not um, like the laws of the U.S. don't apply to them. So I don't know if that's what he's referring to, if he identifies as a Moor. So he's saying the laws do not apply to me here and we need to identify as Moors so we can have our own constitution, our own flag. And I feel like that is what he's alluding to. I don't know, though. I'm surprised nobody asked him that.
1: That's a very good point. I don't think T.I. has gotten that far, though. I honestly think you're giving him a bit too much (laughs) credit on the research point of view. I don't know if he even... Not that he wouldn't. Maybe he does, but that is in line with his general philosophy about it.
0: Because he could have said, we're sovereign citizens. The laws don't apply to us. We need our flag. We have a flag. And Moorish people do have a flag you could see tons of videos on YouTube like I'm just wondering if that's ultimately what he was referring to but didn't come out and say it (laughs) he says black is not a nationality of course it's not (laughs) American is a nationality it's like when you fill out a, a document say he's going overseas and they have a thing that says nationality he would probably put American so what is he saying it's not a nationality what does he fill out? I, I don't know. <laughs> he says, You can't get reparations to people who don't have an official nationality. He says, uh, We don't have an official nationality. We don't have a flag, a constitution, a seat at the UN. Reparations is putting the cart before the horse. So, this is where I would have loved to see Yvette Carnot on this panel because she would have had it out with T.I. <laughs> That I would love to see <laughs> that because there was actually, interestingly enough, no ADOS perspective on the panel. And that that really would have been interesting to see. Well,
1: I think this kind of the whole thing was just a reminder of why we need to know what we're talking about. when We're just going around talking. Study to show thyself approved <laughs>
0: The other problematic thing I saw with this was coming from Killer Mike. So he says, we need to listen to Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams, Antonio Moore, Yvette Carnell. We need to listen to the economic strategies of Elijah Muhammad and Marcus Garvey and the political strategy of Stokely Carmichael. He does not address him as Kwame Ture, which means he hasn't followed Kwame Ture's journey. Politically or economically, and that's what I was looking for. Because if he were to follow Kwame Ture's journey politically and economically, he would know that Stokely Carmichael transitioned into Kwame Ture, moved home, became part of the first work study circle of the All African People's Revolutionary Party, came back to the states once in a while, and called for organization of all African people. He wasn't identifying as an American. He wasn't identifying for the rise of black businesses to get us out of our slump. He was calling for mass organization of African people. And he did that to the day he left this earth. So to acknowledge the political strategy of Stokely Carmichael, keeping him in SNCC and the Panthers, But not looking at his Pan-Africanist organizing, his anti-capitalist organizing, anti-imperialist organizing, is to me disrespectful to the legacy of Kwame Ture. And even if you want to go to Stokely Carmack, it's disrespectful to that legacy. And the unprincipled approach, like he didn't even talk about how different each of these people were. Is Thomas Sowell, dude is connected to white supremacists. And of course, Ken is always like, yeah, (laughs) So they have- <laughs> a part
1: of the same school of nonsense
0: right so to to address Thomas Hill and Walter Williams and then to say hey Antonio Moore and Yvette Carnell so you have people who advocate for reparations uh, the ADOS movement so you have that and then you have Pan-African so you're going all over the place and you don't even tell people hey there's three different schools of thought here Study all of them so you can become more informed to make your decision how to organize. No, it's just like, study all of these people. So unprincipled. It was like this dude said, I'm just going to get a bunch of books and name people. That's exactly what it sounded like. It's like, wait, where are you? What principles do you have? And that's what I want to know coming out of this. What principles? uh, We know where TI stands. TI is for TI. Like Killer Mike supposedly is for the people. And he keeps talking about how he's for the people. But where does he really stand? Because I certainly did not see that coming from him. He's for whatever benefits him as well. That was really clear. But he's saying that and trying to hop, skip, and jump around it. And like How can you say to study all these people when you don't have an analysis yourself? You're going to have this young, impressionable kid read all these people. You're like, um, why did Killer Mike tell me to read Thomas Sowell? He's so, paid. you know, somebody might come up with that. Killer Mike, man, you're confusing me. Why are you telling me to do? So where does Killer Mike stand? To say to read all of this stuff as if they all have the same approaches, as if they all have the same analysis, as if they all have the same ideologies. This is, in my view, how he worded it. And I think that's really dangerous. You you gotta, you can't lead people to all these sources of information and say they look up Thomas Sowell on the internet. They could end up on some right-wing uh, white supremacist site and be like, Thomas Sowell's great. Like, you can't do that to people who don't have this information. That is dangerous.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's just the perpetuation of ill-informed advice I'm just totally done with the whole conversation (laughs) with Killer Mike and Candace and T.I. and all of them getting together if they're not going to say anything. You know, if you're going to say something, say it. But they they didn't have really a direction that they were leading into. They just spat at whatever they could jump on.
0: (laughs) 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 when he is a hologram what's
1: up <laughs>
0: what is up with that
1: i don't I'm, know
0: i'm gonna go with the the prince rogers nelson route here holograms they are demonic they really i took a look at you know i mean they've had a holograms for years but the way they're doing it now holograms used to be in addition to a show You didn't necessarily have holograms take the place of people who are gone. And even Janet Jackson did it. So she is here and then she had two holograms beside her. So people use holograms in that way to add to something. But now it's taking the essence of who an artist was and profiting off of that. And it is demonic in so many ways. And they better not do that to Prince. If the executors of the estate say we're gonna do I hope Prince comes back to haunt him. I really, <laughs> and I hope Whitney comes back to haunt who whoever's putting this on. Because this is not right. They already did it to Michael Jackson. They did it to Tupac. Like
1: I mean absolutely it's one of those things where it makes no sense because I think in Prince's case what they're gonna do and what they've done, uh what they did just earlier this year at the armory was have his live footage that he recorded. He's on stage. It's not a hologram. It's basically you're watching Prince live on a screen, but his band is alongside playing with him. And that way it's not like an invented scenario because it's actually a show that he's doing, but it's clearly you know, recorded and the band is just responding with him alongside, but it's not the same thing as like from start to finish you're watching a configuration of something like it's not even Whitney Houston's is her voice, but it's an animated projection like that's just I don't like that idea. I think that's creepy.
0: Why would people even think this is something <laughs> that's going to be valuable if you want the essence of Whitney Houston, maybe have you know how they have tribute shows to different people. Uh, how they have plays based on someone's life. You could do that and do it in your own way that is your essence. But if you're just taking a figure and having some footage and manipulating it where it's a hologram, I don't see how that's gonna have any benefit. I, I, I just don't I don't see anything other than profit. Cause you can you can create be inspired by Whitney Houston and create music around it, like they had the play for Carole King, and you know, they, all, all these people who are still here, uh, they create plays around their music. So you could do that. They even did that for Denise Williams, who's still here, thankfully. <laughs> but you create a storyline around the music. Why not do that? Why do a tour based on someone who's not here and utilizing their hologram? You're stealing the essence of the soul of what the artist was about.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely exploitation. I feel like it's just... And then when you look into how Whitney passed away, she pretty much died penniless. And, I mean, she didn't have... A, I mean, her and then her daughter... And The whole situation was really, like, not in her favor. And who's going to be taking a profit from this? Not her estate. Her mother. Well, it,
0: it does say that it's... Um, in association with the estate, Sissy Houston gave the rights to the estate to Pat Houston. So it would probably okay. be Pat Houston making a, a lot of the money from this or the proceeds. Uh, I, I don't know how to choose this. I think the bulk of the proceeds from this is going to go to Sony, given that it's music. Whitney Houston did not have ownership of the songs, she did not own the publishing. She wrote, I think, four songs out of her whole catalog, so she doesn't she doesn't have the rights to her music. So Sony, who does own the rights to Whitney Houston's music, is getting the bulk of that if you're using her music. So uh, it, yeah, in terms of the imagery, yeah, I think the estate would get that because they're they the state is giving the company the rights to use Whitney Houston's image. But it's is so wrong. It's so just like they did, like a and. I guess even with that, with the slave to the rhythm thing, that, that really did look demonic to me. So they took an impersonator and made it holographic. It is just weird how they're doing it. And even with the Coachella thing with Tupac, the whole thing is creepy. Why would I pay to see a hologram? Unless it's some, um, what's the, with what the gorillas or what's the other group, knowing that's already a hologram. Mm -hmm. It's the one group, uh, I forget what they're called, but it's just this, this group they made up in Japan. That's all holograms. (laughs) So, (laughs) who know you are paying to see that? That's like seeing, um, yeah, Sesame Street Live or something. You're just watching a bunch of people in costumes. That's one thing. But... To capture the essence of
1: someone. Yeah, to capture the essence is completely different. It's like Whitney was that performer when she was that performer, depending on the mood, depending on whatever else was going through her. So, like, to just remake that, like, oh, here is a person who's similar to Whitney. It's not Whitney, but we're going to project what we believe Whitney was at her finest and then give music to accompany it it just feels so wrong and so invade i mean the death of privacy we don't there's no privacy now so this is where we at
0: <laughs> and what used to happen when somebody left this earth you just never saw them again you just had to listen to their music why can't we do that now why can't we appreciate michael jackson's music now why do we need a hologram same when we need houston same with anybody it's not necessary <laughs> Create another essence of someone. They are not here. <laughs> they have moved on to another dimension. Let us honor that. Stop trying to steal people's soul. I do agree with Prince. It is demonic. It, it really is. Uh, mm-mm. <laughs> so, speaking of Prince Rogers Nelson. Oh, my goodness. Shahad Hello. Sadakat uh i am going to call her by that name because that is what she is called now but everyone else is calling her shenear (laughs) o'connor she recently reverted to islam which i didn't know until the other day Uh, but she reverted to islam i think october of 2018 she performed the shahada and everything She, the interesting thing about her is she's gone through a lot of aspects in her spiritual journey. So she grew up Catholic. On Saturday Night Live, I remember this when this happened. She ripped up a picture of the Pope. She got excommunicated. I think that's an applicable word in this case. She got pushed out of the industry for having that voice. And of course, people are talking about the Catholic Church all over the place now. But she was one of the few people doing it at that time. So she was heavily isolated. She said, this is the real enemy, and ripped up a picture of the Pope. <laughs> hey.
1: uh,
0: yeah, that's I saw that. And you could hear a pin drop when she did it. So I bet, because
1: in the 90s too?
0: Woo. Yeah. So she sang uh, uh, her I version of War, which Bob Marley and the Whirlers did. Of course, those were the words of Haile Selassie. So yeah, she got excommunicated. And she proceeded to make music over time. But you didn't hear a lot from her. Then she became Rasta. She ended up exploring Catholicism in different facets. Then she became Rasta. Now she is Muslim. My issue with this whole thing, and I'll let you explain more about the, the actual details of this. The I mean, attacks on her based on her mental illness based on her spiritual practice, and based on her gender, are uncalled for. If you disagree with what she said, that is one thing. There are just far too many attacks on her. She has come out as bipolar. This could be one of her episodes. She didn't even bring up the issue about Prince. She was asked. So you need to take that up with the people asking her. And she, she has come out and saying nothing compares to you, so you could take issue with that as well. If you talk about Prince being abusive while you sing his music, I understand that. But do not attack her gender or her sex. Do not attack her spiritual practice and do not attack her mental illness. It is uncalled for. Also, she has been consistent over the years with her feelings on Prince, so... People act like this is a new revelation she's coming up with. I remember the Arsenio Hall interview she did and she talked about Prince not being very nice. And over the years, she's built up increasingly what she said Prince did. And so this is the extreme, but she's always had manifestations of what Prince did. He didn't like her and he prevented her from doing this, that, and the other. This is not new. The... beating thing yeah I hadn't heard that before and then she says he beat other women and they should come out and say he did it you know that 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 is newer but she was asked about it it's not like she volunteered this isn't her
1: first time talking about Prince and what she describes as being a very violent experience here's what I'm gonna say Prince we all know it if we don't know we should know it he was human on top of him being human He was known to be, in the 80s in particular, even in the 90s, a vigorous asshole sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, he could be mean. He could go there with you. He's the same guy who would bulldoze the house after he got the divorce. Like, he could take it to the extreme real fast. So I don't doubt that there was some encounter that she had with him and it wasn't pleasant. I don't know the details. We don't know the details. Of course, I'm not suggesting Prince actually physically harmed her. I think that is a stretch. I think she likely exaggerated that, mm-hmm. ma- mainly through how he would interact. I mean, because when Prince was angry, yeah, I could see him getting angry. I can see him like walking off and or throwing something down. Totally. I mean, anyone who worked with Prince would say, you know, back in the day, I mean, you could, he he was different than he. I mean, he had to grow. A lot of people don't acknowledge that but they should i mean it's important to acknowledge he literally had to grow and he did grow i think it's clear in the last few years he literally stopped being as dominant as he was but he had to experience a lot because of that i mean his son passed away his parents passed away six months from each other i mean there's a lot of things he actually experienced but to what she's saying it's almost like fans are obviously angry at the idea of just Prince being guilty of something like this. Like, how could this happen? Oh, it couldn't have happened. She's lying. She's blah, 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 blah. And the whole thing is, I'm not even saying nothing about it. Uh, I mean, I'm saying about it now because we're talking about it. But, like, in general, when it was happening, I just kind of, well, here it is again. You know, like, why are you reacting to it so harshly? I think a lot of people have been so reactive. And it's like, whatever. This is She's singing the same tune. Now, I do think she shouldn't perform the song. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like you know this is a song that literally changed your life. This is how most most people don't matter how much the estate want to put another comparison to you on the song. It's gonna always be hers, <laughs> from what it seems. Truly, because when people talk about that song, it's like oh, I mean now people are realizing oh Prince wrote that. But before, and people even think of the video, it's like if, even if you look up the video, like it, people have such a connection with that song. I don't particularly like her version, but I feel like if she's saying it. She shouldn't sing it if she's saying Prince is this bad person. Because from what she talks, like... Because I believe... Um, what's his name? Ooh, I can't stand. Pierce Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made it seem as if... I think he asked, what, did that continue throughout your life? I don't think they've ever had a resolve. Or at least, according to her, I'm, sure, I'm not sure if Prince... I could see Prince probably reaching out and she probably denied it. I don't know. I'm not All saying right. that happened or not. I feel like Prince would probably... Because from what it is clear, after, before he passed away, he reached out to everybody he had a problem with. Mm-hmm. So now whether or not she's honest about that or whether or not she doesn't want to, maybe she's just rejected. Like, no, I don't want to talk to him. And if that's the case, then that's the case, you know. But I just feel like it's dishonest. The whole thing is dishonest when people look at it from just the angle of how dare she speak of it. I mean, her experience was unpleasant. That's her experience. Mm-hmm. she didn't have the pleasant prince when he was cool, she had the unpleasant prince and for whatever reason that scarred her for so long and so she's going to just react out of that experience it doesn't make prince this or that it makes him guilty of any emotion, anyone can be emotionally bankrupt at a time or they can just exaggerate themselves and they can be mean and he definitely had his moments Um, (laughs) but I still don't think that that's necessarily a case for her, I just think She's just saying what she's been saying before. She didn't have a good experience with him. She doesn't. But and because of that, I feel like because she has all of these feelings towards him, she shouldn't be singing his songs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't sing his song there, because that song is written by the same person who you claim is this and that, you know, and it just seems like it's a disservice. It's like you're taking advantage of the fact that he gave you something that you didn't have to. And I believe there was a time he didn't. I mean, he could have easily told her to stop singing that song. True. But he didn't. Because he was
0: getting checks.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He even said that there was a clip that goes around in 2011 for the Welcome to America tour. He was like, hey, he mentioned that. He was like, hey, you know, uh, he mentioned her name. He said, Sinead Akarn, this is before she changed her name, of course. People were like, boo. He said, hey, don't boo her. I bought a house with that song.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> oh man!
1: <laughs> you said uh, I in the house because of that, because of her, or something like that. I mean, it is true. So yeah. yeah.
0: I want to ask you this question before that. I do want to say I actually do like her version of the song. My favorite version is the family's version, though. I am a minority on that. A lot of people don't like that version, <laughs> but that is. My I love favorite. the
1: family's version. I would say that is too. Yeah, but- Outside of the live version Prince did in 2009 for the Montreux show. That's my ultimate version of it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a
1: very specific version.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I like the original because it has very minimal percussion. I think the essence of the song is around the emotion. And so when you have all these instruments, and I think that's the thing with the Sinead O'Connor version as well. It's very minimal. The, a, a lot of Prince versions I've heard, it's got like the horn, it's got all the, I, it's too much going on for what I consider to be the emotional base of the song. So it's just um, St. Paul I Pearson.
1: completely get it when you say it like that, which is why it's, I mean, to be honest, it is not a song I listen to at all.
0: I know. I you don't know.
1: like it now. I mean, I don't like the, anytime it comes on and it actually annoys me. Like, I just don't like how it's become this. Oh, it's the per, it's like syrupy. It's probably his most syrupy song. The lo- <laughs> the only line I really like is all the flowers that you're planting in the backyard died when you went away. And the sentiment is still, I mean, I, like you said, emotional, I, th- which is why I'm not going to act as if I don't like her version, but her version doesn't really change. Prince's version, like the song overall itself, is just not one of those songs I enjoy. But I think what she was able to do with it, especially with the video, because the video captured, you know, that tear at the end. It's very sentimental, and you can just get that. I feel that, mm-hmm. and that's what she did to it. That I feel Prince. I mean, which is why he didn't even release it under his himself. He gave it to the family. It wasn't until the family. He, I think, he realized, wow, this song is something. I mean, I can't do it, but all these other people can do it. So, I mean, he started doing it live with Rosie Gaines and Shelby J. And for everyone, that song means something different. But for me, it is a song I would never play. It would never be on a playlist of mine. If I make make playlists often, I would never have nothing compared to you on that playlist. (laughs) I'll,
0: I'll give you two songs that are way more syrupy. Compassion and Song of the Heart. Compassion. Don't even talk that about. That more syrupy than not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm surprised by that one though. That's a. I was not expecting that one. Like that's the one. A lot <laughs> of people don't know about that one. We all need to be friends. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, man. You're right. Okay, you're right. You're right. He does say that. song of the heart. You're telling me that's less syrupy? This song, this song! This song! You got to hear the live version of that song. Because the way he did it live, undefeated. Undefeated. He would enter into this facetto break where he would just keep saying, This song!
0: This song! <laughs> this song!
1: It was so good. But, yeah, okay. All right. All right. And I'm not going to validate okay. that, actually. You have a point.
0: I would say Free is more syrupy, too.
1: Free is my jam.
0: I know. Free
1: is literally one of my favorite print songs. I want to say that's my favorite
0: song on 1999, actually. It's yeah. the, just, just the best. I don't really like that album. Sorry. But not sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's yeah, that's probably the best one.
1: Yeah, it's just it's, it's good. But I mean, the whole thing is Nothing Compares to You is a song that a lot of people of since the 90s, since Khan. oh, I'm sorry, what's her name?
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't want to, I'm the same way with you, that's why I've been saying her instead of just giving, because yeah. I don't remember her new name, and I haven't committed to it. Shahada.
0: Shahada. 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 Shahada.
1: Shahada. We'll just yeah. say Shahada. Sister Shahada. <laughs> I think because of that connection, it would make sense for her just to just divorce it from her repertoire. Like, why keep performing it if the person who performed it are these things to you that are not pleasant? mm mm-hmm. I just think it's a dishonor. I mean, Prince wouldn't want that. He would be like, "Well, don't do it. Like, if if you feel this way about, it, don't don't do it." Then because it sort of contaminates the meaning and it just changes. Like songs are sacred, right? If if he wrote that and he had no problem with you singing it and all of that, and then now you turn around and say, "Oh, he wanted me to be this. He didn't like me," and he da da da. It's like, well, you have other songs, mm-hmm. but you know why she ain't doing that. Because I do feel like she's a part of, and I mean some people ain't going to like this, but there's a it's called whiteness. In particular, <laughs> when it relates to crying over things that you don't have any control over. I can see her also exaggerating Prince's reaction and saying, oh, he screamed at me. He he did it. I could, I could totally see that too. I can see her being almost Angry at the fact that he had a problem with whatever, because Prince was vocal about something he didn't like, and he could be he could he was totally a contradiction. But if he didn't like something, he would tell you, "Oh, you should change that, or you sh- you shouldn't do it like that. You should do it like this." And she probably didn't like that. Prince is like, "Well, I don't care if you don't like it or not," and then he's going to justify his way of being that way because well, it's my song. So if you got a problem with it, you can just stop singing it completely. So I mean, I think the whole thing was baited, and I'm I'm sad that the Prince community attacked her and attacked the mental illness the way they did because it's like that's not just ignore it like when i saw that i just was like uh here it is again it it annoyed me the fact that she was still doing it because at first i'm like well good she's not performing this song right because if that was a point if she made the point to say you know what i don't like him so much i'm gonna stop doing this song Mm -hmm. then it would be like wow she really has a point there because that would say first of all i'm sure her live performances would definitely suck and people would have a problem with him because it would be like Prince not performing purple ring, which he did plenty of times. But still, whenever he made that, whenever Prince did bold moves like when he did the third eye girl tour, he wasn't doing none of the hits. People walked out. Oh, how could he be he's playing all his guitar, but where is where is she's always in my hair? He didn't do none of that. So and there's a price to pay for that. Because if you say to your audience, you know what? I know I've been performing this song for years, and I know this song means something to you, but I cannot do this song anymore because this artist, the artist who wrote this song was just an ugly man. If she said that, if she was going around with that sentiment, I would actually have respect for her because it would tell me, oh, well, whatever your experience was, it must be real deep if you're going to cut out you know, this, this element. I would respect it, but the fact that she's not doing that and it's just sort of like, well, yeah, Prince, he didn't like me, and he did this and he did that and da da, da, da and da, da. then it just sort of seems like, okay, you're not really while she was saying this when Prince was around, she wasn't again, she would have known I'm basically saying what we all know. Prince would have been like, Don't do it then. Stop performing the song. Stop mm-hmm. pre- stop performing it. I stopped cursing. Like think of all the songs Prince stopped performing because it had curse words in it. You know? <laughs> like you <laughs> might change Half his the
0: Brothers catalogue?
1: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> completely. Just stopped doing it. Or he would change the lyrics. But most of the times he stopped doing those songs completely.
0: Yeah.
1: Like he didn't do them. He didn't do Darling Nikki. He
0: just stopped. You know? I met a man named Jesus and I said he was the son of God. Oh. Come on, y'all. Everybody. <laughs> because, he would
1: have literally done that. He would've literally that's what that's another reason why I love Prince is that he did that all the time. He said he revised one of his most sexual songs, "Get Off." Mm. Instead of twenty three positions in a one night stand, he said
0: twenty three scriptures in a one night stand. <laughs> no, no, t- twenty three psalms on the table stand. See, you, you got it <laughs> wrong, Prince.
1: <laughs> he could have came up with several different ways of saying what he wanted, and mm. but for, for a song that is written by somebody else. This sort of poses an interesting question to me, because if someone writes a song for you and it's your biggest song ever, or at least one of your biggest songs, it's like Dolly Parton with Whitney Houston. She yeah. didn't mind Whitney singing those songs. She's like, I'm getting a track. Whitney just sing it to her heart's content, baby. <laughs> don't, sugar. Sing that song, because she getting all of that. Mm-hmm. So Prince is like, in a way, Prince probably was like, you know, if you don't want to sing those songs, if you don't want to sing them more, then don't. Mm-hmm. It's mine anyway. He won regardless. So uh Miss Shahada, sister Shahada, on the other hand, has to face a different. You know, she's dealing with something different. It's like, if you're gonna say these things, you know, there's a certain sense of responsibility. I think you should have. So, but again, uh, there's no, there's no need of attacking her though. There's no need. No attack is necessary for nobody. There's just no need.
0: No, I think there's definitely. It is a valid critique to ask why are you singing the song if an association is with someone who uh you have you have painful memories with this person i know the song for her also is based on memories of her mother so that could be why she performs it as well which is why she cried in the video because you're Right.
1: Yeah.
0: so i mean it, it she could still be performing it because of that i don't know her reasons performing it still because she does have a fan base that loves her outside of that song so she could still do shows and be fine oh yeah uh, my question to you is the wade robson comparisons how valid do you think that is
1: in what sense
0: so a lot of people are comparing her to wade robson at this point, and. the the unifying aspect of this is that... Wade Robson. (laughs) Yeah. So... Yeah. So, uh, the interesting thing about this is this is the one unifying point for the Prince and Michael communities right now. They're all attacking her. It's so interesting. What what did she do to Michael? Did she do anything to Michael in particular? I'm just saying because of the Wade Robson thing. So now, uh, Prince and... People in Prince and Michael's fan bases are now unified on this issue because Wade Rodson has lied against Michael Jackson. And so Shuhada is doing this as well. Oh,
1: no. yeah. I mean, again, the point shouldn't be is like from what we could see. Now, we don't know nothing about Prince, we don't know nothing about Michael Jackson either, but we know how they behaved in a mm-hmm. sense. We know their responses to things. And there's not been one story, really, that came out. I'm not speaking of the undercurrent, you know, leaked sometimes. Oh, I heard on the... I went on the forum one time and I saw a blind item that suggests. I'm not speaking of that. (laughs) I'm speaking of, like, verifiable... All of the women that Prince has been with, and he's been with many. Mm -hmm. None of them have said he was physically violent. They said he was abusive he could be well in the sense that he could be mean and asshole he could be an asshole i don't know if they even use the word abusive but they would say yeah he could be an ass he could be a jerk but none of them have said that he actually hit them or even threatened to hit them so that's enough evidence for me to say you know what more than likely it didn't happen from my perspective i'm not taking away what she's saying everyone got their own event of the story of what happened but i don't think fans should even be focusing on Oh, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. Like if when you when you're that dogmatic against something you don't know, it makes you sound sort of insane, I think. Like if you don't know. And I don't like saying oh just blanket you don't know because it's like it's not even implying that he could have done it, but there's no evidence that of this. Of none of it. It's just hearsay. And it's her experience. She's entitled to that experience. She's entitled to believe what she believes happened. But Prince isn't here to defend himself.
0: Well, the, oh. the other issue I have with this whole thing is it's in a funny way not even looking at Prince in a positive light because, well, Prince wouldn't have the capacity to hit her. Look at his size. and like.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that's that's also an awful. I did see. See, again, I was not looking up on this. I saw it when it hit Twitter. I was like, I'm not engaged. I'm not. No, nope. I shut down to that because I just think it's a lot of energy to take out. But I did see some people say that. Oh, he was too small to hit her. It was like, what? He was still a man. He still had like a build. He was still stronger if he wanted to to act as if that's just insulting. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. Prince, again, he could be very angry. He could lash out. He could be very harsh with his words. There's nothing suggesting, though, that he was violent to anybody. That's not even just to, to... So, I mean, because when Prince... Now, back in the day with his homies, like, the time and them, it was a whole different relationship, so, you know. But, like, his band members, it's not like he was slapping them against the head or just... He wasn't that type of guy, you know? Overall, from what it seems, she has her own experience, though. So, I mean... But uh, all these people love Purple
0: Rain. uh, There
1: you go. He uh, was vibing in
0: Purple Rain. I know that was scripted, but... He still hit a woman at Purple Rain. Why would people think he potentially could not hit another woman? And Purple Rain, I think he
1: felt really he realized when he did an interview with MTV that that was he didn't like that, pro, that projection. I think he realized that, oh, that's not a you know I I don't hit women. He did in the movie, though.
0: Right. So and also this idea that he couldn't hit a woman. To me, that is in a funny way in line with patriarchy because he dispelled any notion of being a real man based on his size or how he presented. So clearly because he didn't present to be the most masculine and because he's five foot two, of course he just, he doesn't have the stamina to hit a woman. And to me, that is in line with patriarchy in a funny way. It's messed up, but it is. I mean, the whole thing is messed up. And then the whole thing, too, uh, around the time of Prince's transition, she did uh, say Arsenio Hall. He Prince did drugs with Arsenio or Arsenio sold him. I can't remember what the claim was, but something about Arsenio Hall either selling or doing drugs with Prince. Wow. And so Arsenio Hall did sue her and she backtracked on that. But it's possible she could have had a lapse. It is possible that she even could be clinically schizophrenic. I don't know.
1: Yeah, we don't know any. That's why when it comes out, when these things it's like, look, Prince isn't here to defend himself. This isn't the first time. We don't need to even give it. People are too emotionally attached to these artists. That's the problem. It's like they feel like, oh, if I hear and I'm not even like that with my family. And let me describe that. Let me let me explain it. What I mean by that is, if I hear some rumor or something that's said that's not true, eh, I'm not giving it. Uh, if you're defaming me, you're going out my way to go out your way to just say how awful it happened, and that's a bit different. But this isn't the first time she's had this wrong. Let her say what she need to say and just ignore it. It's better just to not say nothing. <laughs> because if you go online and you start defending him and then you use these weak points, like oh he was. 5-2 he could never do such a thing or oh he could never he could never he could never then then you just sound like somebody trying to defend something you don't know like or something you just have no business in commenting on like whatever it's a very interesting reaction but I don't think it's any more different than I mean in a sense way Robson however he's literally <laughs> he's just trying to be relevant and he knows what gets he knows what works but going again to your original point, we need to be angry at anything at the interviewer. He asked her that. And he did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. That was intentional because this is the, the feedback was clickbait. Because I guarantee you, people didn't even care about whatever she was saying. <laughs> you say that, it's like, oh, and then it's a fire. And then everyone's able to say, you know, it's like fell into the trap.
0: Yeah. And it's. Pierce Morgan, that's what he does.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's Pierce Morgan. So, I mean, (sighs) this is what he's designed to be like.
0: He's paid to do it. So, there is a video. I don't know. It's probably happening right now as we're doing this podcast. But, JD of History in the Mix, he is a young Michael Jackson fan. He's probably about 14 or 15 now. I don't know how old he is, he's a teenager. But he was making a commentary on why we will never see a good Michael Jackson biopic. I have my reasons for why I don't think that's going to happen. But I would love to hear what you have to say, Jesse.
1: Oh, well, I think the reason why is because they can't understand the honesty that's needed to make this documentary. I mean, if we're going to make a documentary about a good Michael Jackson biopic, you have to be honest about his trauma. And you can't protect the image of him. And the problem is the estate and mostly everyone associated with Michael Jackson, their whole mission is to protect the image. He's not this. He's not this. He's not that. He's not this. He's not this. He's not that. He's not this. That's the whole overall. That's what seems to be happening. Everyone's saying what Michael Jackson isn't and what Michael Jackson is. Instead of saying, okay, immense talent, yes. But let's look at his business sense. Let's look at how he processed, what he went through. And I don't feel like the estate could be that that way. They're not like that now. I mean, they just want you to buy the new hoodie with his signature moonwalk on it or something. You know, it's like Michael is not really seen for the I mean, he has so many experiences and he has so many mentors. He was blessed with just so much knowledge of people who are already in the game that he learned from. He looked back into the past. He incorporated all these things and he. He really had a mission, and he went about a lot of his business, I guess, sort of like, woo, wee, ee, and, and then until it came hard on him, and he realized he had to, so he learned a lot, but I think mm-hmm. overall, there's just a lack of honesty when people talk about Michael Jackson. They, they They rather hold on to this myth of him being beyond human, beyond vulnerability, and just this sensitive talented juggernaut that just never had a childhood therefore everything that happened to him was not his fault it's almost like biopics can't protect the legacy of the jackson name even or even the motown name you know because mm-hmm. the problem is people are going to be like oh well he, he came from such wonderful parents and we have to understand why he was abused we have to understand why it's actually okay even though it wasn't okay i feel like Again, the narrative needs to just change from let's protect the image to just let's just speak real about how he reacted to the trauma he endured and what was his responses when the industry changed. How did he respond to it? What did he do? And then we can explore it from that angle. But yeah, I guess that's what I would say.
0: So a movie like Jackson's The American Dream, why was that not uh, an ideal biopic?
1: Well... I haven't seen that one in a long time. I would love to see that again. But that was one was.
0: Harris and you was a cheat, and I to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, because ah, uh, it's so many. It's that's why Michael Jackson is Michael Jackson. I think because where do you really begin, really? And where does it end? Does it ever end? Or is it just this greatest story ever told? The greatest show ever. Uh, Greatest show on Earth.
0: It's the greatest show on Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyway. (laughs) Then you have Man in the Mirror. What made that an insufficient biopic?
1: (laughs) Man in the Mirror was just... uh, it's hilarious. It, sh- it shouldn't be so funny. That's one of the reasons why. Because <laughs> I just remember just being so like, why are they Why are they making these decisions? Why are they highlighting this?
0: It, I don't know. Okay. First, first of all, they infantilized Michael Jackson in that movie. That's the first reason it went wrong. And then the whole thing with Janet Jackson, her, her, his name for her was Dunk. But he called her, I forget, <laughs> Take a Bell or something. <laughs> and just how he got together with Lisa Marie Presley, like everything. was. I know they had to get around copyrights and they had to get around it. So Michael Jackson, not potentially Sue, but how it was written. It was like mentally, he was like a child. And he wasn't able to make his own decisions as an adult. How they portrayed the Victory Tour was horrendous. He was all over the place. He was, okay, guys, um, this is our last show. And that dude, he sprung it on everybody. He was like, look, this is our last tour. It was a great 20 years. Thank you all. I mean,
1: right. No- they made him so timid. That's the thing. Anytime Michael is portrayed in. Anything, it's like they just get they get his betrayal wrong. They make mm-hmm. him always just like,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just it's not cool. I don't like that. I think it does damage to his to, just to who he was. Like a lot of that he did play into. I'm not denying that at all. But then some of it is like, okay, yeah, but he did he was fast a lot of times. He was quick. Like mm-hmm. stop making him just this sloth ball who. Was that, oh, thank you. Oh, I love you too. Oh. <laughs> like, gosh, it's annoying. It's not a good, accurate representation.
0: Well, with the America Dream, because that was produced by Jermaine and Suzanne depass and they did show the dynamics of abuse in the family, and you were saying they should show those dynamics. So, what was missing from that in that
1: movie? Yeah, you're right. I mean, that and that actually, overall. I don't have that. It's still. <laughs> I have so many like bank thoughts about them. I would love to see it again because it's been so long since I watched it consistently. Usually, anytime that was on, it was on for like the whole day, you know? <laughs> like, it was just. They just cut it up in all of these sections, and I never. I can tell you probably the last time I saw it straightforward was so long ago. I can't even tell you. Mm-hmm. At least eight years ago. Yeah. So. I would like to see it again because I don't remember being completely disappointed in it. I just thought that it was sort of an exaggerated way of saying he's royal. Yeah, look at his flaws. Yeah, look at all the things he went through, but he made it. He's the dream to be. You know, It just kind of felt like they were trying to compensate for... I don't feel like they were completely from what I remember. It just didn't seem like... They made it seem as if because Michael is a very hard, he's not necessarily like an easy artist to figure out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he's so many, they made it a bit too simple. And I feel like Michael is way more multi-layered than we think. And that's what makes him genius because there are these subtle things that you can find out in his career that surprise you. It's not necessarily like on the surface. And you got to be skillful in how you present. Because that's how he was. Like he was very skillful and very particular about whatever he did. And if you're going to make a biopic, you got to do it in a way where you throw in these other aspects about him that we're not expecting. You can't give us just the hee hee tee hee. You got to give us the stuff where he was also very much in control of how he wanted it to be seen, how he wanted it to be felt, how he spoke of what was already there, like the ancestral knowledge that he always talked about. Like, you got to mention all of that because mm-hmm. that's what makes him. Michael, but again, they, they don't do a good job in presenting him. Mean, he's always captured as this Willy Wonka-esque character, or this Peter Pan guy, which, again, is not necessarily a good... It just sends... It's, what is that, anyway? Like, when people say even, like, oh, he's like Peter Pan, what comes to your mind when you hear that?
0: Nothing good, I know that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think the issue with the American dream is... This idea that you have to reach or fulfill an American dream. Yeah. In America that does not declare you as a full human, you are doing everything in your power to be seen in that context. And so all the abuse, it's the centuries of abuse, the genetic memory of it is going in the American dream. The um, America that we all grew up in, regardless of the generation, is based on exploitation. What kind of dream we're living in? So it makes sense to play out all of this trauma because that's what the dream is based on. It's based on exploiting other people. So the title is interesting, just based on whatever analysis I have, but it whitewashed the story of the Jacksons. It dramatized it, but it whitewashed it in other ways. You're calling it the American dream, but it's focused on Michael. And like Tito was the one that, if it wasn't for Tito breaking the guitar string, you wouldn't have no Jackson Five. So where's Tito's story? That's, just, <laughs> that's my my question. Where's Tito's story? Right. He deserves a story too. You know, just how they address Michael and the struggles he had with his brothers, leading to the Victory Tour. It, it was as if it were one happy family, and that's not what happened. And so they did dramatize whatever happened between Catherine and Joe, but they didn't necessarily show uh, in depth or the nuances of how that trauma played out on other aspects of the family dynamic. And I think the dude, he's, you know, he had cancer and left this earth, but the dude that did play Michael Jackson, when he was older, it was like, okay, he did, he did a good job but he did the best he did with the work that he got. I think for me, the best type of biopic you're going to have, you got to do it in a way they did it for, uh, was it I'm not there, the Bob Dylan one, because everyone's perspective of Michael Jackson is different. If you try to capture the essence of Michael Jackson, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it very well at all. It's like Winnie Houston. You're not going to do it. So you have to have, or okay. Prince,
1: God forbid, and you know that's coming. Oh,
0: please don't do Oh, don't do that. please. Oh, that's going to be worse than the Michael one. Are you kidding me? Woo! Uh, but how they had the Bob Dylan one, and of course Bob Dylan is still here. He could have said, nah, I don't like it, cut that. But Michael Jackson is not uh, afforded that luxury of being able to oversee a project. <laughs> and he, he's probably on the other side being mad. I can't oversee that. But... He's just chilling wherever he is. To have something like they did for Bob Dylan, where they took uh, actors and put him in different dimensions and eras of his life. And I think that is the best way to do a Michael Jackson biopic because you can have a... You can have a sort of neorealistic perspective. But again, you're not going to capture Michael's essence. And you can have a a postmodern if you will, reading of Michael Jackson. Michael did that himself, even with Moonwalker. He had the bad kids thing. You could do that. That would be great. So have a, a kid's reading of Michael's life. And it doesn't have to be when Michael was a kid. It could be Michael's perspective of him as an adult or have, you know, like they did for the Bob Dylan one, have a woman play Michael. Uh, even Prince did that. Prince had women. right.
1: Prince had plenty of women play him. I mean, in fact, that's how I always say if anyone's gonna play Prince. I mean, Prince kind of essentially hinted at this with his video "Breakfast Can Wait." Exactly. Regardless of what you think about it, it's like he had a woman <laughs> play him. Like right. he's comfortable with that. So that lets you know. And obviously, if it's going to be a man playing Prince, he has to be effeminate, but he has to be feminine in a way where it's masculine, too. Because Prince was not necessarily as feminine as he was, he was still masculine. So, yeah. like, you got to find that balance. And it's just better to put, put a woman in anyway. And I actually think the Bob Dylan film with, was it Kate Blanchett who played him? I believe it was.
0: I don't remember. Was oh, it the no. lady I who think played David Bowie? Somebody, it was a woman who played David Bowie in a
1: I don't remember, but she was amazing I thought she was a great Bob Dylan So, yeah, I mean, there are ways you can do it You just have to be honest to the integrity And then also, I think of the Miles Davis film Yeah, I thought it was good Mainly because they made it from a futuristic perspective Like the narrative was But yet it had flashbacks to when he did, you know, his famous things With the kind of blue and all that other stuff But it was just very interesting how they layered it The narrative was just chaotic and random, much like Miles' life. So, like, if you're going to talk about them, you have to do it in a way where you incorporate all of those things. It can't just be one person. I think that's the problem. Many of the documentaries and movies about Michael Jackson, they just focus it from being this one person. Like, you mentioned the family being neglected. Like, they don't even focus on his brothers. It's just Michael. Like, no, you have to. Everybody is totally important. That's the only way it could work. It cannot work any other way. It just
0: can't. Yeah, the only way it's gonna work is if it's a reimagining. Uh, I know they're using that a lot. For instance, uh, set it off in Easter <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna be re- reimagining or uh, I don't know. But you have to have a reimagining. You're doing
1: set it off again.
0: Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> no.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. Like... <laughs> no. <laughs> having a a a. a, a re- I think uh, what a young young MA was like, yeah, they want me to play Cleo. But that was a whole other story. Like, yeah, it, the only way for me it, it's going to work is if they have a reimagining of Michael's life, not a traditional biopic, because you're never going to get the essence of Michael. I don't care if you have the greatest tribute artist. I don't care if you get Michael Trapson, I don't care if you get... Anybody who uncannily looks like he, you're not gonna capture Michael's essence in the fullness that Michael was. So have a reimagining and then you could get Michael Trapson and you could get all the tribute artists and whatever, but that's the only way it's gonna work for me. And then you could you could also do different readings on his music and it doesn't have to because I bet I bet no, do a jazz version of it or you know so have it be so different. And again, Prince has done things like this. Again, the Bob Dylan movie, there, it's been done. Michael's done it himself. So take that tradition and continue that. Stop trying to steal people's essence because you're stealing the intent of their art by just trying to do exactly what they did. You're not Michael. Don't do what Michael did. What did he say? Study the greats and become greater. So but can't become greater than what Michael did. Reimagine his art. It doesn't take away from what he did, but it puts your stamp on it. And so he did all of these dances, but put his stamp on it. That's what we should be doing. Not exa- We don't need to sing exactly like him. or We don't have to do that. Just take that, reimagine it, but do it in a way that's respectful. So I, I think that's why people... Uh, love the Cirque du Soleil performances because it is a reimagining. Uh, I still haven't seen it. I refuse it to see wonderful. it. It was wonderful,
1: and that's. What I was gonna say that's actually one of the best things I experienced. Like I saw them 2010 in Sweden. Yeah, it was or it was 2011, but it was amazing. It was it was a wonderful way of presenting Michael's story, told by all of these different colors and right. you know, gymnastic tricks. I mean, it was that's the way to do it. So, yeah. Here, here on that one. I shake. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I, I refuse to see. I don't really do it, anything posthumous. That's just my general. But I do understand like, how powerful that could be for people to see. And I'm not saying like, oh, don't go see it. I'm just saying for me, I just, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's what you call a reimagining. And that is how you do it and respect him. So do it that do it don't don't do another biopic stop it stop it stop it stop it so i don't know what jay-z jay-z geez, i don't know i don't know what jd is going to say on this and i will go look at his response to it but this is our perspective you're not going to have any kind of biopic that is going to utterly be respectful if you try to copy him and his essence so you have any last words Jesse?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Michael really put the task. I think, if anything, I love that quote, study the grace to become greater, because that would even imply to him, imply for him, you know? And mm-hmm. But fans and stands alike, for whatever reason, want to just hold on to what has been. We don't think that it can go beyond. But it can, you know? And that doesn't mean that the other thing that it was transcended by is over it and conquers it, but it's like, there's so many other flavors to be added. So let's just not act like there's only one person to give the flavor. We can all be these many flavors that can just change the game. Like it doesn't have to be a competition. Just be you. Stay in what your thing is. And yeah, be when he say be greater, like study the grace and become greater. I think he just meant like take it. Go higher than that. If you say, oh, this was good, but it can get it can get like this, then make it like that. That's all it is. You know, like I just wish people had that. Yep. Yep.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank y'all so much for listening. And we will, as promised, have an anniversary show. It's going to (laughs) be, I look forward to it. Uh, Y'all have a wonderful day. If you want to contact us, if you uh, have any questions, comments, critiques, anything please let us know we have the information in our description thank you
1: thank you